Welcome to another episode of The Messy Truths. My name is Martin Tan and I'll be your host for this week's episode. Today, we have with us Dominic Sun, co-founder of a local grown-up group called Better.sg. Dom, welcome to The Messy Truths. Thank you, Martin. It's really good to have you. Hey, uh, for the audience who's listening in uh, who have no idea what Better.sg does, what would be the best way, the TLDR way to describe Better.sg? Yeah, so Better.sg is different from other sort of charities in that we're not a cause-based charity. So a lot of charities, you know, they will have a particular social cause. You know, maybe it's the environment, maybe it's the helping the disadvantaged. Uh, Better.sg actually, it's, uh, it, it supercharges, as we say in the description, supercharges other projects uh, by trying to encourage them to use technology to solve it. And so when you look at the projects that are in our portfolio, uh, they cover a whole range of different issues to foreign workers, uh, to animal welfare, you know, topics as diverse as that. Uh, so that, that's the, I guess that's the long answer. The short answer is that we are a way of getting your ground-up project um, to uh, the next level and to use technology for whatever cause you are interested in. And it applies to a wide range of people, whether it's a, it's a small group of individuals who are trying to build a small project or it's a very established uh, charity or nonprofit that's trying to think of the best way to use technology. Uh, we bring the community to them. It, it is literally tech for good. Except that in this case, tech is not tech, but tech is people. Yes, I mean, it's, it's uh, technology can't run by itself. I mean, you, you, you can set up to run by itself, but uh, you still need a community of people to do that. So the, one of the principles we had when we founded uh, techbetter.sg uh, is that uh, we, are, we, we are a multidisciplinary group of individuals. Right, so when you look at the people who are in better.sg, they're not just technologists. They're also people who are passionate about the cause. Uh, they're designers. Uh, they're people who have policy experience. And and in, even though we, we say that we are about technology, I think one of the founding principles that we have is that you need a wide range of people who can understand technology and the issues to create an effective solution. Cool. Now, how we talk about founding principles. Let's talk about the day you guys started, right? Um, how did you guys start? And we use the word co-founder. So who are the other co-founders with you that really started this journey of building better.sg? Yeah, so uh, so actually uh, I've known uh, my co-founders Gaurav, uh, Kathy and Chan Chi Ling for, for a long time. Uh, uh, Gaurav, I've knew him when I, uh, we were colleagues uh, back in the Ministry of Trade and Industry uh, many, many years ago. And uh, Chi Ling, uh, I've known her sort of through through the through the ecosystem, and uh, she's also a jazz musician, uh, like like myself. Um, so 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 we had always known that uh, you know what, what each other were doing. We were aware of each other's projects. Chilling, uh, she works at GovTech. She's a deputy director at GovTech, and uh, she works in the Ministry of Health as well. Garov's had been quite active in uh, in in the debating association. And uh, he's currently, um, uh, you know, dep- deputy C, I think, of the cybersecurity uh, agency in Singapore. So I think we we were aware that uh, we were broadly interested in in technology. Um, I I I'm an investor uh, in private equity in in technology as well. So I think we kind of ca- well, had touch points in technology, but coming at very different angles. Um, for for me personally, I was I was looking for a project to sort of um, you know uh, keep keep my roots. In Singapore, I spent most of my time looking at companies outside of Singapore, and and you know after a period of time, I found I was getting you know a little bit disconnected of uh, public policy since that's where I started my career back in the ministry, and so I wanted to find something that could kind of marry what I was doing now with technology, 
and uh, and 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 the local community. So so when 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 we created this, uh, uh, I think Gaurav was asking around looking for individuals who are sort of passionate about this to brainstorm uh, what this community could look like. Uh, you know, then Chiling and, and myself, uh, we responded, and and you know we that that was sort of the starting conversation of what uh, of what better.sg could be. I think when when Gaurav was and 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 Chilling and I were brainstorming, it was still very much an idea. It was still a small group of people, but I think we very quickly landed on the idea that uh, we wanted to build um, uh, sort of a nonprofit, something that could endure. Uh, and so right from the beginning, it started as a as a com- company limited by guarantee, and and then we we went on to to try and apply for charity status. Uh, I I this is a bit of a long answer, so I can I can go on a little bit more. No, please and do. I'll talk about some of the founding principles that we yeah. had, yeah, which was your original question, and one of them I I was the, the first one I said was about being multidisciplinary. Uh, the second was really anchored on a new model of volunteering that I think uh, sort of people hadn't really touched on. I think the traditional view of volunteering is sort of uh, people taking you know a whole afternoon out to commit to a particular task, you know, to, to, to serve the community and so on. Uh, but we were identifying a bit of a trend of uh, working professionals who are very busy and they really wanted to commit uh, multiple snippets of time and contribute in a way that will align with their expertise. And and so that's quite difficult because you, you, you know, you, it's, you can't, you know, you, if you're a lawyer, you, you, there are some, in some t- occasions you can commit a whole day of uh, doing sort of pro bono legal work, but you can't always do that, right? Um, and so we wanted to break these um, this into small snippets of time so that people could volunteer in their in their own time and they could step into a project and then step out. So let me let me give you an example. Um, we we in one of our projects, um, uh, there's this there's one, we have one project called Call Home, and we had to um, negotiate some legal contracts. Um, we were signing with some counterparties, and of course, we don't have an in-house lawyer. You know, we're not a big enough organization for that. Uh, but we can go to our database and say. Uh, who is a lawyer within our community? Who is interested in foreign worker issues? And then we reach out to him and say, "Hey, can you just spare us two or three hours of your time to look at that contract?" Um, this gentleman just comes in. He takes a look at the contract. He tells us what's what, and then that's it. I think that's and to him, he's happy. He's he's contributed to the project, and it's uh it's 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 a it's a fairly low commitment thing, but it's effective, right? So the two or three yeah. hours that he has given us has just so much value. And and you know the fact that our community is is diverse uh, allows us to reach out and let people sort of contribute this multiple snippets of time. So you can think of it as a little bit of a it's, it's maybe it's an Uber of, of volunteering, a sort of on demand. Yeah, it's gig volunteering. Um, you can come up with all kinds of buzzwords. Buzzword, yeah. But but I think that that is how a lot of our volunteers engage. Small snippets of of time, uh, contributing to larger projects. They are of course run by by folks who are more f- focused on it. Because it is true that. Everyone has a unique skill set, be it professionally or even in their... Like you are a jazz musician, for example, right? Um, so you could volunteer with your musician's skill sets. Yeah, uh, not, not that good, not that good. Yeah, but hey, <laughs> good enough, right? Um, but there are some areas or there, there are some folks who believe that, hey, I want to really volunteer in an area that's completely different from what I am doing professionally. Um, so how did you manage to bring this community together? Because in the volunteer world, like you say, that there are really two, I would say that really two, two distinct tracks, right? You have those that really just, I want nothing to do with what I'm doing professionally. I just really want to uh, 
be a direct impact kind of volunteer. I want to uh, be in the soup kitchen. I want to be one of the cooking. I want to be the one that actually bring food and see the beneficiaries uh, eye to eye. Right? That's one kind of volunteer, which is great. And we need a lot of that. There is another kind, which is what you are saying, which would lean more on the professional aspect to say, I've got a skill set. I know what I can do. And, but I'm busy in my work. But if you can scope it out and just make it three hours, I'm happy to do something as part of my volunteer. Now, it's a little bit indirect. I don't get to see the beneficiaries. I'm just helping on a project basis. Um, the second group, it's a very different community. So how did you bring this group together? Uh, I, th- I think actually there is scope for all, both those types of volunteers cool. to contribute. Uh, so even uh, so, I'll, I'll pick on Call Home again since uh, that that is uh, that's one of the projects that's done really well. Um, that's uh, that's an app uh, that allows uh, workers, Bangladeshi workers, to call home uh, to their families back uh, using using the Wi-Fi. And then you may ask, why don't they just use WhatsApp? Well, it's because their families don't have access to the internet. Yep. Right? So you need to make a call uh, effectively from Wi-Fi to uh, the the public uh, telephone system in Bangladesh. And and offline and the, the opportunity there's opportunity to de- to do the app design and design that app and to do all the technical work, but there's also the opportunity to go to the ground and talk to the workers and show them how to use it, and and so you know once you have that kind of in person engagement with the communities, that's where uh, those people who want to have a more direct engagement with the communities can contribute. Um, I actually would, would would say that you know there, there are these two groups, but they're also not distinct groups. Yeah, they're not binary, right? They're yeah. not binary, right? There, there's Absolutely. quite a bit of overlap. So I think uh, that you know the, in many of our projects, uh, you know, the people are very comfortable playing uh, uh, those both of those roles. I think the the other thing also is that as a volunteer, um, your personal circumstances change, right? That's Maybe true. you're changing, going to a new job, you have a new kid. And then you decide to step back. So people kind of move in and out of these roles as well. That's so true. It, and, and it's a slider scale, right? I mean, depending on which part of our lives are at or our work commitments, for example, we can dial back or we can dial more uh, in terms of our involvement. We remember Call Home because uh, it's a project that we really we, we funded in SG Strong. Uh, and it's one that we actually are very excited about uh, in terms of the tangible output. Uh, what was exciting for us was how the volunteers came together. It was really empowering in the sense that you are using people who have that particular skill sets and what they do benefited so many of the migrant workers That's right. um, uh, during that period of time. Um, let's talk a little bit about your community of volunteers. Um, give me some numbers. How many of them, uh, what are they doing currently? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have about, uh, I think we're reaching a thousand uh, volunteers right now. Uh, you know, it sort of steadily increases a uh, week over week, and we don't we don't promote or we don't do um, sort of uh, big events. It's all quite organic. Um, you know, there there are, there are sort of three things that we do. Uh, the first is that uh, we supercharge projects. So that's the that's what that's what I talked about. Um, volunteers basically get together. Uh, they they come up with projects and they form a team within the community, and and then they dec- they, they 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 plan. They have project meetings. Um, we give them a project guide so they can create those projects and then uh, we see how far you know the volunteers can take them uh, th- those projects I think we have probably we have more than a dozen now uh, in sort of various stages of, of development uh, but you know when the projects become large enough then you know we we step in a bit more and we say you know who do you need in the community who can help you take your project to the next level who do you need to talk to to get to funding uh, what sort of additional skill sets uh, do you want to add to your team uh, and so, so those projects. So that's the first thing they do. That's the the projects, volunteer driven projects. Uh, the second thing that we do is uh, consulting. 
Um, so uh, Chilling Leads are consulting, um, and we've uh, engaged with a number of nonprofits in in Singapore. And we uh, again we get this this we get folks who have some background in consulting, some background in technology, and help them solve a particular problem. So for instance, uh, you may be a nonprofit, and you may have been told by a vendor, "I need to spend a lot of money to build an advanced CRM system." Right, and 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 you know we we can engage with the nonprofit, look at their needs, look at their requirements, and say, actually, you don't need to do that. There are you know low code technologies like Airtable, for instance, that can help you get the workflow that you need, and you don't need a very specialized and bespoke system. So that you know takes a lot of cost out of the of the of the of uh, of the organization, but and it also help, but it also helps to make them more efficient. Uh, and the third thing that 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 we do really it's of of uh, media and and knowledge sharing. So we we run a a technol uh, a podcast called the Good Technologist that's run by uh, Rovik who's who's also on our team, and you know he, you can find it on Spotify and iTunes and all the podcast platforms. And what he does is that he interviews uh, the creators of projects, other people in the ecosystem, tries to distill and gather knowledge and wisdom that can be shared uh, with the with the rest of the community. Then on top of the podcast, we also supplement that with with articles and uh, guides and all kinds of other resources that the community will find helpful. Cool. We'll make sure that uh, the link to the Good Technologist podcast will be in our show notes. So if you are listening in, just go to our show notes. You should be able to find uh, the link to the Good Technologies that uh, Rovik is um, hosting. Um, in in terms of the volunteers bringing in volunteers, that you're reaching, or you're reaching probably over over a thousand. Like what you're saying, what were some of the challenges? I mean, it, it sounds really good. It sounds exciting. Everyone has their own projects and so on. Um, one of the things about calling this podcast the Messy Truths is that not doing good is never a linear line. Doing good is rather complex and often messy. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the good stuff as we go. What were some of the challenges as you guys were starting? Yeah, so I think the the biggest challenge we had was sort of the onboarding process. Because uh, if you think about it, you go to the website, you sign up, and then suddenly you're thrown effectively into a Slack group with a thousand different people. And how do I uh, figure out what project is going on, who I should speak to? And so, you know, what we what we what we did is that we we sort of decided to try optimize the onboarding process so that everyone who signs up uh, gets an email. Uh, it's from it's from one of us, um, and you know it says um, you know hi welcome to better These are the the areas that you can go into. The other part of the onboarding process is that we actively ask people for their passions and their interests. So these are skills, passions in terms of their skills, and also passions in terms of what causes they're focused on. So you know even as we said that you know better is not a cause based charity. But the causes are important, right? Yep. The causes are why people Very try. much so, yeah. And that's why they're looking for the tools. And so, and so once we have those two pieces of information, then our community managers um, can go out uh, you know, and, and engage with them and, and also see that even every week as, as, the, as the projects grow, we can look through that database and see who is interested, who is joined, who has an interesting profile and then put that in. Um, figuring out the onboarding process, I think, took a little bit of time. It's, uh, I know we in the initial days, I think, People basically just signed up. Uh, they got an email address, and um, and uh, you know they, they didn't know what to do. And at, at the beginning, also we we sort of did individual outreach, but it was not scalable. And so sort of just something simple as putting out a form that was very well structured helped. Uh, having the automated email helped, and and you know because you know we are a technology charity, so we automate this as well with with Zapier, so that when someone signs up, they get an email. There's an automatic push to the Slack channel. There's an automatic posting on Facebook. 
Um, so you know that you you we, we use automation to kind of reduce uh, the work that we had to do uh, to to have to let, allow members to have that good yeah. onboarding experience. I, I was about to ask you the exact same question. Being a technology organization, would this whole onboarding process be fully automated? Yeah, it's. I, I don't think. I mean, I think the the emails and the notifications can be automated. I think the curation is ultimately cannot be automated. Uh, people want to join a community, and that means joining, you know, meeting people. And it is important for uh, peop- you know, someone to reach out. So, you know, the, the email from us, uh, that is automated. Of course, when they reply, it does go to our, our mailboxes and then we'll have to respond. Um, so, you know, you can automate some things, but you, you, you shouldn't remove the human touch. Cool. One, one, of the, one of the key things in the social sector currently is this whole push to digitize. Uh, the digitization of services. Um, I think it was someone who said that COVID is the best chief technology officer one can find because it sort of expedited in the last two years. What we have taken the sector five years has now taken just 18 months for people to pivot. Um, But what you are saying is that as much automation you can build in, a large part of your organization relies on people because people want to join community. People don't want to join technology per se. Yeah, so I think I think COVID is the best chief technology advocate, but okay. it's not the officer because ultimately people cool. still need to make a choice on what they want to do, and I think there is a risk that uh, you know as a lot of um, you know grants are available and you know the government tries to get charities to digitize more, um, you know there will be companies that come out and sort of overspec a solution, right? They want to give you the the fanciest uh, infrastructure. They say you should run your small charity on Salesforce or you know or have some very expensive custom built software that they charge an arm and a leg for to build. I think in some cases that is necessary, and you know we've seen some very good projects or very established charities build out those advanced systems. I mean, but you know I think our projects are not for them, right? Our our projects are really focused on on organizations who need to run a little bit leaner, but can still use existing. Um, sort of lower cost uh, solutions to to get to the same point. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think it's it's so, you know sometimes it can be extremely simple as uh, the Airtable example that I talked about. You know that that actually comes up a lot uh, how they should best make use of Airtable. Um, then you know sometimes it can be simple as that like, you know creating a document repository and you know telling these organizations have you heard of Notion right, which is a tool that a lot of startups are using to organize themselves. Um, you know, it's simple things like that, showing them how to implement that in their organization. I think that actually goes quite a long way. Um, and sometimes a lot of the charity is just not aware. They just don't know that these solutions are available and they, they think that um, they, they fall into this trap where they focus too much on the sophistication of the tool mm. uh, without actually thinking through um, you know, what is the precise need that they have. If I were to ask you for five things, like, well, this question really should be more suited for another episode where we're going to be talking about technology as a whole. But since we're on this topic right now, if I were to ask you to list five Five apps, apps or software or programs like you used. You said Airtable was one of the common one, right? You guys have worked on enough projects now, uh, probably to come to a conclusion that you know what these are the three to five uh, programs or apps that you should really look at that will solve a lot of your problems in a very cheap fashion and a very efficient and effective fashion. What will your top line recall be? The top three to five. Yeah, so I think I think uh, you can get quite far with Airtable, uh, Zapier. Zapier does a lot of the integrations between between these different tools, and uh, and Notion. So those three tools, I think, get you quite far, um, and actually solve a lot of the the challenges um, 
do you have? There, there are some other collaboration tools, um, uh, you know, like um, sort of virtual whiteboarding, uh, design tools like Figma. I think those are a bit uh, sort of use use case specific, but yeah. as a general tool, uh, I think um, you know we we actually Zapier actually does does play a, a, a quite a quite a huge role in, in what we do. Cool, uh, because you know it after all it just bridges all the different tools that that you might have together. So that will be Airtable, Zapier, and the third Notion. So Notion, Notion is a Notion is a well, it's hard to describe. I mean, they, it's 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 sort of uh, some people think of it as like Evernote Plus, but I think that's um, it's it's a bit more than that. I think it, it it's it's a tool that effectively lets you create your own knowledge management base and has all kinds of Im- different data structures from pages to tables to s- simple databases mm-hmm. and so on, and you know, very good set of permission uh, permissioning system. Uh, that allows you to share different parts of um, nice. the pages in your organization, right? So, for instance, when we uh, when we run our audit um, and we want uh, uh, auditors need to check on the documents that we have, effectively, what we do is that because we run our organization on Notion, uh, we just unlock a page within our organization that tracks all the receipts and all the documents and expose that to the auditors, and then they can check it uh, digitally. That we don't have to send them, you know, like uh, ten different attachments and say what these attachments are for. Uh, so, you know, just a simple thing like that uh, reduces a lot of time for audit. We just completed our audit, so that's top of mind. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, we, it, uh, it was a relatively, uh, relatively smooth process uh, because we, we had all this internal organization tools and we can interact quite efficiently nice. with external parties. Very cool. What we will do is the, the three uh, apps that you're talking about, or three software you're talking about, we put them in the show notes for our listeners uh, who may really want to find and explore more. I, I think that's really good. Um, information or good tips, I think, um, for, the, for the listeners. Um, the way you describe how you guys started, the way you describe your, your founding philosophy, the way you describe um, your relationship with technology um, speaks a lot about you guys as founders, but it also sort of gives us a glimpse into who you are uh, as a person. So if I were to ask you, who is Dominic Soon? How would you describe yourself? Yeah, I that's uh that's so many sort of different ways to answer this. Uh, I guess personally, you know, uh, as a, a parent, father of two kids, um, you know, I I, I have a, there's a side of me that is about being a technology investor. Um, but I guess when I when I think back about about my own personal development, I think what what I like to do is I like to move tankers, right? The, the you know the, you you often find yourself in situations where there are very large organizations or large groups of people. Uh, you know, who are sort of stuck in a particular loop, right? And it's hard to coordinate. It's hard to get people to, on the same page. And I think what what interests me is trying to move the tanker, right? And it it takes time. It takes patience. Uh, you know, lots of inertia. There is a, a huge amount of inertia. And I would say, you know, the some people say that once you move the tanker, you will go happily on the new direction. But reality is that the new direction may not uh, be the correct direction for very long, and you have to keep changing it. So how do you get uh, a, a big tanker to make a big shift and then sort of make micro adjustments along the way? Uh, I think I think that's that's always been uh, that's 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 I think sort of in a nutshell describes the kind of challenges that, that I like to um, take on. And I don't think it's um I don't think it's because I, I am uh, necessarily stubborn. I think I'm just probably very patient, probably more patient than than, than most other people. I think it maybe more having patient to- than stubborn. Yeah, I think having two kids, uh, maybe uh, one, know, one, two boys one, makes you do that. <laughs> one can argue that patience is a form of stubbornness. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. 
How how did you how did you end up with this philosophy or end up with this idea that hey maybe I am gift, gifted or I am equipped to really move tankers? How how did that come about? Was it like a realization? Was it like hey the projects that I take on that gives me the most amount of energy and excitement are these big pieces that I seem to be able to to move things around? So what's what's the story behind it? Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's when I think you know there there are definitely innovators out there who uh sort of very ag- aggressive you know they 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 have a very unique point of view and then you know they push forward sometimes with a small team of uh of zealots with them and they do great things right I mean the the largest tech companies in the world are, are built by zealots uh you know the people who are very different and and can you know they they distinguish themselves um I think there is but I think there is a role for bringing other people along Right, there's a certain uh, importance of inclusivity um, because I think once if you move too far out and you find that the community is not with you, then it, it you know it, it's a lonely experience and uh, ultimately a very uh, divisive experience. And and so I think it's it's sort of very important for society to 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 figure out how do we bring other people along so that the entire community moves together. I think it is 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 slower. It's certainly slower. I think in the long run, it's a sort of a more sustainable. Absolutely. I think, I think in my, my uh, I guess the philosophy that drove me to that was based on my own experience in, in public service when we obviously thought about, you know, this sort of issues a lot. You know, what is, um, what is inclusiveness? What is, um, how, do you, how do you bring uh, people together? And, you know, thinking about the trade-off uh, between moving fast and, and being inclusive. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I so, so I think that that art figuring it out is important. Um, it, it also means that ultimately you will offend people, yep. but that's okay. Um, that's normal. That's normal. Actually, that's a positive thing because yep. it means that uh, a bit of friction means that people are thinking. But I think, at least in my experience, um, you know, the results at the end are, are quite satisfying. I I remember the lunch that we had. This will this will probably be in 2019. This is before COVID. Way before COVID. This is way before COVID when we were talking about this when you guys were starting uh, Better.sg. Um, and I and I and I think about our conversation back then about how you really wanted the ability to bring people together. Exactly what you've just said, right? To bring people along, to give people the opportunity um, to to really serve, to really volunteer with their skill sets and so on. So I remember that conversation that we had. Fast forward now with COVID, we're endemic. What is your greatest satisfaction? Your greatest, I, want, I don't want to use the word achievements because it, became, it denotes, oh, there's a milestone success. But what is something that makes you the most satisfied to say, hey, I'm so glad we did this? Yeah, actually, it's uh, it's interesting that you date our conversation in 2019 because that was actually before Better.sg yep. was founded. We were we were officially founded in June 2020, so a lot of these conversations happened before COVID. Yeah, and then you know COVID came around, and and um, you know I I think it it, it sort of um, boosted us in a way. Obviously, you had a situation where a lot of people are stuck at home with you know a bit more spare time on their hands, um, so that's very good from a from a volunteer point of view. Um, but I think uh, what also happened is that it created impetus for a lot of these uh, projects, right? Um, so you know, for example, we have a tool uh, called OK or Not, right? And and it's effectively a quiz that asks people about you know, questions around diversity, right? You know, they show you a statement and then you say, you know, is this statement racist or sexist or has a certain bias? Is it OK or not, right? So it's it's meant to be a facilitation tool to 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 drive discussions. 
And, you know, I, I remember having uh, lunch with a group of folks uh, from the diversity and inclusion community. And, you know, I think, you know, they were talking about programs, but, you know, digital tools was not necessarily top of mind, right? Uh, how do I engage my team digitally? Because a lot of these were just in-person, you do in-person case studies and things like that. Obviously, fast forward to COVID and you have to do everything online digitally, then that, that becomes a very important tool. Um, so I think the the biggest uh, I think the the biggest milestone was uh, getting these um, communities on board, uh, getting organizations on board, and, and getting them to see how our projects uh, were relevant. Uh, so Call Home, for instance, uh, it's uh, it's it's the app, the migrant worker app that I talked about. Uh, you know, we got the support of Facebook and and Twilio and TWC two uh, to come on board. Uh, to on that project and support it. Um, again, that's something that um, that was made possible by by COVID. Because I think, uh, to be fair, if COVID has helped us uh, engage with these organizations in a very deep and meaningful way, they want to do something, and they find that uh, a sort of digitally focused uh, volunteer organization it's uh, it's a very good partner for them in this environment. I think in every crisis there are opportunity, and and if this. One thing, when we look back the last 18, I would say 20 months now when COVID first started, um, was the proliferation of ground-up groups like yourself um, who end up, you know, filling, filling a gap that either people don't see or it surfaces as part of the crisis. Um, and we see a lot of Singaporeans really rising up and say, hey, I can do something with this. Um, it helped that we're no longer traveling during the period of time. It helped that we are sort of homebound to a certain extent. Um, but the ability for people to direct that energy and say, hey, I can do something with this now. Um, I, I, I think that's really, really super cool. One of the things that we are talking about in The Messy Truths is this idea of how doing good can, is not as clear-cut as we want it to be. For you, what is The Messy Truths? What does Messy Truths mean to you? Wow, this is a... <laughs> okay, I think, I think The Messy Truth is that a notion of good is a very personal one. Right, there is. It's it's interesting that we you know we, we we say this is tech for good and we mean tech for public good, uh, but there isn't a commonly always a commonly accepted notion of what is good, right, and what is more good than the others, right. So you know you can you can talk to someone and he says that you know I think it's more important to focus on cost A rather than cost B. So why are we wasting time on on B? We should be doing A. Uh, that happens in volunteer-run uh, groups as well. And even people who can agree that the ultimate cause is important may also disagree on the sort of the nuances on that. You know, I should focus on, uh, you, know, you know, if you're uh, talking about animal welfare, you know, I think some animals are more important than other animals. Uh, or even foreign worker groups, you know, I think, you know, I think basic uh, safety is more important than communication, right? Um, so th things like that. Um, and I think that that, that is messy. Um, and and one of the biggest challenges that we've had is to is is how do you get the different uh, volunteers uh, to work together and to sort of align on an objective. Um, actually, the real heroes uh, and are really the, the the volunteers who are effectively the entrepreneurs within each volunteer group. So when we talked about supercharging uh, a project, uh, we also are sort of thinking a little bit. Uh, about it like a venture capitalist, right? And, you know, the VC model that that, that we have learned and in my experience is that VCs make some small bets and then they find the successes and they double down, 
that's how they make the real money. It's not from uh, just the first check. It's sort of doubling down on the winners and the people who are doing well. Um, and for us, it's very important to, when we look at the, the different groups, uh, to find that entrepreneur. And when they are doing well and they are suddenly getting a bit of momentum, then to push them and to double down uh, on them. But getting there is messy, right? Yeah. Because you don't always have uh, you know, that individual. Uh, you don't always have the alignment around the group. Um, you can have uh, people who are in the same group and they have you know, different views and, and, and you, know, you, you, you have to sub, sometimes step in and say, okay, let's, let's think about what makes sense for, for all of us because we, we're all volunteers yeah, right, at the end of the very day. Very much so. Right? It's, uh, we're all driven by passion. And um, you know, even though, even though I use the the venture capitalist analogy, we're not doubling down with money. We're actually doubling down with time and and, and our own energy and and more passion. Um, so this is very personal, and I think being able to have those personal conversations to uh, sort of tidy things up and making sure that you know this this group of individuals are aligned. Um, has actually been one of the more difficult uh, parts of, of of building this organization. But it's probably also the most meaningful part as well when it works. Yes, when it works. When, when it, it works. comes together. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, to be to be candid, not every uh, project that starts succeeds clearly, right? A lot of projects uh, start out and then uh, they die down and they go and do something else. Um, but I would say that even those that, that don't go anywhere, uh, what we find is that the volunteers get a lot out of their experience mm. um, and you know some of it is uh, personal some of it is even professional so they may uh, you know talk about it when they go and interview for a job so there's I think I think volunteers themselves get something out of it and and uh, and I think that's actually the the, the best outcome in, in many cases it's true because the 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 community are the ones and once they have a good volunteering experience um, them staying on and actually working on this next project That's right. uh, will absolutely be important. Um, to end off our time, at least for this segment, I want to ask you this. What is your aspiration? What's your aspiration for Better.sg? Uh, we talk about big, hairy, audacious goal, however you want to frame it. What will bring you the most amount of satisfaction to say when you look back? Wow. We've managed to achieve that. Yeah, I think the well, the the milestone that we had for this year was uh, achieving charity status, uh, which we got um, quite recently, and you know we're, we're very proud of that. Um, I think what is next is that we want it to be, uh, you know, we want to have some some form of sustainability, so that the community uh, hopefully doesn't just have to re- rely on grants. Um, and I suspect that's something that. That many charities of um, aspire towards as well because they want their their passion and their vision to be um, to have some endurance. Uh, from in terms of a big hairy audacious goal, I I'm I'm sort of hopeful. I I hope that one day people will look at Better.sg and and say that you know this is a model that we can use elsewhere, right? So there will be a Better Hong Kong or Better uh, Philippines or Better uh, US, right? And um, you know, I think I think if this if this is a this you know if this is a model for someone else in the world, um, you know, even if it's just uh, three or four other countries, I think it'll be pretty exciting for us. That's super awesome. If listeners want to get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Yeah, so um, you know, my email address is dominic at better.sg, so they can uh, drop us an email. But actually, I would strongly suggest that they should sign up to the community first, and then engage us on the Slack. And you know, you know, they may. 
even if they get in touch with me, they can also get in touch with everyone else in the community. And um, we have a lot of great conversations there. And they can volunteer at better.sg. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Dom, for joining us. This has been the episode of The Messy Truths. We've been talking with Dominic Soon, co-founder of better.sg. Um, and to listen to more of the rest of the episodes that's coming up, do subscribe to The Messy Truths podcast. Mm-hmm.